When we talk about online learning, we often focus on asynchronous learning. In this episode, we discuss the creation of rich online learning experiences that include a combination of synchronous and asynchronous components. Thanks for joining us for Tea for Teaching, an informal discussion of innovative and effective practices in teaching and learning. This podcast series is hosted by John Keane, an economist, and Rebecca Mushter, a graphic designer. Together, we run the Center for Excellence in Learning and Teaching at the State University of New York at Oswego. Our guest today is Jessica Kruger, a clinical assistant professor in the Department of Community Health and Health Behavior and the Interim Coordinator for Teaching Innovation and Excellence for the School of Public Health and Health Professions at the University at Buffalo. Welcome back, Jessica. Glad to be back. It's great to have you here again. It's been a while. It has. I'm so excited to be back and drinking tea with the both of you. Speaking of tea, today's teas are... I'm enjoying green tea with ginseng. That sounds good. I have Big Red Sun again. And I have ginger peach green tea. We've invited you here today to talk about Bicronus Online Learning, which you experimented with this past semester. Could you first start by describing what Bicronus Online Learning is? Yes, there was a recent paper that really put a name to this type of learning, and it is basically a blend of both asynchronous and synchronous online learning. This is where students can participate in any time, anywhere, and doing that asynchronous part of the course. But then they can also participate in real-time activities in the synchronous sessions. And so this actually can be varied whether you have a predominantly asynchronous or predominantly synchronous course. So it allows some flexibility. Can you talk a little bit about how bichronous learning is different from blended hybrid or high-flex learning that we've become so familiar with during COVID-19? There are many terms that are being used for the types of modalities of courses The blended and hybrid approach, this is where that course in combination has a face-to-face and an asynchronous online delivery. And then that blended synchronous is a combination of face-to-face and synchronous components with online students in the course. And then, of course, there's high flex. And this is designed as a model where students have options to be online or on campus. And so this is a little bit different than all of these types because it's blending synchronous and asynchronous, but both online. And the neat part about this is that blend could be whatever works best for the faculty, the topic, and the student. One thing I think people may wonder is, how is this different than a hybrid course where there are some synchronous activities and some asynchronous activities? What's the difference in the approach that makes it this new category? I think it's the approach because it's not and or. It's kind of this sliding scale of what you're doing synchronously versus asynchronously. Traditionally, hybrid and blended have been face-to-face whereas this is focused more online. And maybe we're splitting hairs, creating a new term for it. But I think it does kind of create this new category that we can begin to think about and further explore, is this model 
conducive to specific learners? We don't know. I think there's a lot of opportunity to begin researching and exploring these differences. And this whole mode of synchronous online is really something that's just exploded recently. That's an area that we really hadn't looked at very much in the past, or most faculty hadn't really explored very much in the past. That for many has become the dominant mode of instruction. So thinking about it in this way, I think could be really helpful. What would be an example of a structure that would use that approach? The bichromous approach? Let me tell you a little bit about my courses. This semester, I'm teaching a variety of courses in a variety of different levels. And I accidentally stumbled on doing this because it felt right. I really didn't want my students to be all asynchronous. I wanted to meet them. I wanted them to be able to have time to ask questions and for us to do some active learning online. And so how I decided to format my course was that students would have asynchronous components to where they would go through some videos, some readings, but once a week, they would come and join a 30-minute class session. During that class session, there's a short intro talking about what they're exploring this week. We also discuss a little bit about the assessments and the upcoming assessments. We answer any questions. And then we move right into active learning. And that's where they get put into breakout rooms. They get to talk to each other, work on problems, think about solutions. We come back together, debrief for a short period of time, and we're done. The neat part about that is because my classes tend to be larger, I offer choice in the section in which they come to. So students can choose to come to one of two sessions that are offered on that day. And those sessions are actually offered within the class time that's listed in the course schedule. So let's say you're busy, you have to work that day, or something else came up. I also offer an alternative assessment each week. So whether you're Zoomed out or you got called into work, you can still earn those participation points. This allows for flexibility and choice for the students. Can you talk about some of the advantages of synchronous online learning and how that synchronous component complements the asynchronous component for students? I think it's so nice to be able to get to talk to students, especially in this virtual environment. And sometimes it's as simple as clarifying what you wrote in text. And so a lot of times when we start off class, there's minor questions about the upcoming assessment, such as, what did you mean by this part of this assignment? And I can easily clarify that and give some examples. Also, by whatever questions students are asking, I can kind of tailor our synchronous sessions so that we can talk through some of those challenging concepts. I think it also brings together a community. Students get to talk with other students. They're all going through the same struggles right now or similar struggles. And so having that time where they get to go into breakout rooms, talk about a topic, say something about their day. I think it really creates that community that we're looking for online. And hey, when I go to the breakout rooms and say hello, they almost always have their cameras on for each other, which I think is a pretty cool thing. I think Jessica was mentioning before we started recording that I'm also doing the Bichronis online learning. I just didn't know I had a name. And I'm finding that students really enjoy that synchronous time and they request more time with each other. That's the piece of it that they really love is interacting and formulating a community with each other and around the topic of the class. 
And I think that's so important, especially as we're all isolated due to COVID, that they have that time to talk out these assignments or to talk through these problems. And yeah, just as you said, the students always want more time. The 30 minutes doesn't seem to be enough for them. Did students know in advance when they signed up for the course that there would be synchronous meetings as well as the asynchronous component? The course was actually listed in the course catalog as recorded and live sessions. And so at the beginning, they were actually pretty happy that they didn't have to come for an hour and 15 minutes twice a week. Instead, they got to come for a shorter period of time and earn those same points and get that same information. It's interesting that my class also was listed that it was a synchronous time slot. It was listed as a hybrid, but it really was more of an online synchronous class with these synchronous components. And because I teach a studio class, the normal contact hours are six hours a week, which I couldn't imagine us doing. It would be terrible. So we did the same thing. We were always meeting at the beginning of the week. And then I do small group meetings with students at other times during our regular class time during the week. And students have requested more time together, even if it's just, we call it accountability club, where they're just working during the class time on class things in a breakout room together, even if they're not talking to each other. I love that idea. That sounds like a great way to get students to interact even outside of the typical class time. It sounds as if these courses could be set up on a continuum where some of them are primarily synchronous with some asynchronous components, or they could be primarily asynchronous with some optional or flexible synchronous components. Is that correct? You know, that's a great way to look at it. I've had a really nice conversation with some of my colleagues who have put so much time and effort into putting their courses online and making them quality that they're really kind of sad to see that in the future, hopefully, we all get to come back together and be in person, but you really don't want all that effort and content to go to waste. So thinking about it as providing some extra flexibility might be a nice way to rationalize all that time that we've all put into our courses. Like so many other things, it's not necessarily a binary choice that there's a whole continuum on which people can select an option that works best for their specific courses. Yeah, and I think that is really what's at the core of this model is that it is really something that can flow one way or another. And I'm even thinking in the future, how can we continue to bolster this or give students more choice when it comes to their learning? We know that the choice is really important. And I think this way of kind of creating courses could be a way of the future. I'm wondering if the synchronous component is particularly valuable in these online courses for students right now, because it does provide that immediacy with one another, but also instructor presence. So we all actually feel like, hey, there are humans behind the names and things that are in this online environment and help us formulate an understanding that we are all a learning community and a classroom community in a way that maybe is more difficult to get your head around in something that's entirely asynchronous. I think that's a good point. And I don't require my students to turn on their cameras when we're in person, but I do think they get a sense of who I am. And more than they would in just videos, we can have a conversation. And there's sometimes I'm asking them to put information in the Zoom chat or reply. But as I've gone through these courses, I've noticed more students are willing to unmute and talk 
out loud, even in these big courses. And that shows me that they're beginning to be more comfortable, not only with their peers, but with me and how I run these courses, which I think is a really good sign that we can create that community even online. Could you tell us a little bit more about the specific courses you're teaching and the size of the courses, as well as a little bit more about the division of your activities between what you do synchronously and what you do in an asynchronous modality? Sure. So I ironically teach a course called Stress and Population Health. And this is a very salient topic nowadays, as you can imagine. This is an undergraduate course, and I have 125 students within it. During a typical week, I will have readings posted in our learning management system. I like to do a few videos, and I have the luxury of being able to be in front of a green screen for some of those videos. So students do get a little bit of who I am and the wacky things I do while I'm giving them some lecture material. Along with that, there's some outside information that I like to pull in, whether it's current news articles or whatnot, but they have a substantial portion of what they're doing that is basically asynchronous. When they come during our synchronous session, we start off with, how are you? I usually have a wacky sort of how are you question that's themed around whatever the holidays are. I had them rate their mood based on candy and other silly scales just to kind of have an icebreaker. And then as we talk a little bit about the content, we then do some breakout sessions. So today we were talking about a new report that came out about stress in America. So they had to look through this report and begin to talk about how this report relates to community stress and how we would assess these stress levels, what's happening within various communities using some kind of higher level data versus that individual self-assessment. And so they're really applying the content when we're together. In my other course I teach is a 88-person course, I know real small, and this class is on models and methods in public health. And so Again, they have videos and readings to go through. In that course, we actually create an OER textbook, which is a fun activity. But when we come together, we're applying the models. They're working together as a team to fit different problems, almost case studies together. Or they're doing something like a scavenger hunt. I've even done something like Kahoot, which has been a lot of fun. And students are now requesting we have more Kahoots. It does work virtually, which is kind of neat, except I can't give them the prizes that I typically would in class. My last course that I teach is a 40-person course on incarceration and public health. And this class is a little bit different because we have more discussion. So when we're together, it is purely discussion-based. And students do a really good job at interacting with each other. And so sometimes we stay together. Sometimes we break into groups where my TA is helping to run some of the discussion. But that one works a little bit differently than my two larger courses. And it's an upper level course. So I feel like we can really get into the meat of the conversation. You mentioned that you do provide multiple times. And a nice thing about the Kahoot is that while they may have fun doing it synchronously, there's also the option of posting it online so students could try it later if they weren't able to attend one of the synchronous sessions. I've been doing that in my classes too, and students have really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's a great way to fit in the alternative assessment or assignment that if you miss class and aren't there to hear some of the explanations on Kahoot, I end up having students actually look up the correct answers and telling me why. 
as a way to have a little bit of deeper learning with that game. How have students responded to the format overall? Oh, they absolutely love it. In kind of a midterm assessment that I put out, I ask about, how do you like this model? And they said, it's great. I love that I can come in 30 minutes, we're in, we're out, we're done. But it's also, I think, created more of a connection. I have students reaching out, asking for advice on what do I do? Should I go to grad school? How do I do some of these life skills? And that shows me that they are making that connection to me as a faculty member, which is exactly what we want in these courses, especially these larger courses. And students will tell you, I have courses where I sit through hour lectures and it's really hard for me to stay focused. Whereas in this, they're continually doing something new and They're doing it in a short amount of time that has ultimately a high impact because they're getting their questions answered. They're doing some active learning. They're working together and they're getting to form a relationship with their instructor. What are some limitations of bichronous learning compared to, say, a fully online class? I think it takes some time to think about what activities you want to do live with a totally asynchronous class. I think some of the alignment with the course objectives and the assessments become a little bit easier because you have your roadmap, you know that this discussion board is going to align with this objective. Whereas this, it can be a little challenging to figure out, one, how to stay creative. You don't want every session to be boring or the same sort of thing. Also, from an instructor standpoint, I'm repeating the same class. And in the model, it doesn't mean that you have to repeat the same class. I do that personally because I want smaller groups. And so some days it's like Groundhog Day when I'm doing the same class back to back. But you know what? The second time, it's always better. So (laughs) it's a good way to continually improve my teaching and really reflect on how I'm displaying information or teaching the content. If a faculty member was interested in incorporating something like this in the spring, what should their next steps be? It sounds like one thing is making sure that there's some sort of time slot established for the class. But beyond that, what else should they be thinking about? Yeah, I think the university modality is important. Making sure you're transparent with your students about what they've signed up for. It's never fun to find out that you signed up for a class and it's going to be presented in a little bit of a different way. Second, I think it's really figuring out what works best for you and your content. So what content is going to be asynchronous? What content is going to be synchronous? And how are you going to establish some sort of rhythm or schedule for your students? And is this going to be you only come one time, once a week, and you only have that choice or no choice in this case? Or are you going to make it with some choice? Are you going to offer multiple sessions? Are you comfortable with offering an alternative assignment for students? The reason why I came up with the alternative assessment is because I have students who are in different countries and different time zones, along with people in the active duty military. And they're not always able to make it to the synchronous session. So I wanted to give them an opportunity to make up those points and to make it fair for students who life happens. And the nice part about it is it actually reduced my time in working through students' challenges, such as internet outages. One day we had a huge outage in Buffalo. Well, you know, no problem. 
join the next day's session and you're good to go or do the alternative assessment. And so figuring out what your teaching philosophy is around the flexibility and choice, I think is kind of that next step. And then go for it. It's a lot of fun to really get to meet and talk with your students so that you can explore this new way of teaching and engage your students in a different way. For those students who, because of their work schedules, need to take courses in an asynchronous manner, might this modality serve as a deterrent for those students? Most definitely. I think students who sign up for an asynchronous course are expecting an asynchronous course. I think this is just a different way to think about our delivery model, whether that be having the option of that synchronous session or moving to a bichronous model to where you're kind of in between the two and allowing some flexibility and some choice for the students. Or maybe it's just a way for you to try something a little bit different each week, whether it's one day synchronous and the next day asynchronous. I think testing out these different models are important as we're moving through this new online world. We always end by asking, what's next? Which is a question we're always thinking about this year. That's for sure. I'm interested in actually doing some research on students' perceptions of this modality of learning. It's so new that I think we need to begin by understanding what do students think about it and doesn't affect their overall performance in a course. And from an instructor standpoint, what is it like at the end? We're still figuring this all out. There is some research that's being planned around asking faculty about how they're rationalizing or thinking about this topic. Rebecca, you and I both are teaching this way, but I'm sure it looks very different from both of our standpoints. And so I'm really excited to see where this research goes and hoping to be part of it. It's wonderful talking to you again, and we're looking forward to having you back on the podcast again with whatever your next venture is. I should also note, you mentioned that you have been doing this OER project. We have a podcast we recorded with you on your first iteration of that, and we'll share a link to that in the show notes. Excellent. I'll also share our newly published paper on some of the results around that. Excellent. Sounds exciting. Thanks so much for sharing a new way of thinking about the spring. Hopefully it sparks some ideas for faculty as they move into what's probably going to be another tough semester. That's for sure. Hang in there, everyone. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast service. To continue the conversation, join us on our Tea for Teaching Facebook page. You can find show notes, transcripts, and other materials on teafortteaching.com. Music by Michael Gary Brewer.